0: When the spot Meets World. Brown Meets World. When the Brown Meets World. What up, bro? And welcome to Brown Meets World.
1: When it's Brown Meets... <laughs> world
0: your boy world one uh this is episode sixty four I'm siege
1: and I'm your boy Tony
0: coitus and Tony coitus it has been um forever since we've recorded it's so funny you say that because
1: um I missed this thing so much
0: <laughs> <laughs> I with this episode a a lot of good and a lot of Okay, like, you know, just like okay, moving forward.
1: <laughs> it's so funny you say that because there are so many parts of this episode that, like you said, I'm rolling my eyes at. But ultimately, by the end of the episode, I was sold on it.
0: Again, I'm not. I'm not I will not disagree with that. Yeah. I was like the way that they do things, the ideas that they bring up. I'm in favor for, but like there are a lot of things that I'm just like. And we're going to roll past that, because either
1: we need to, or I, I'm i just going to make note of it so we can talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, there's some thorns, but, uh, it's mostly pretty good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, also, are we going to talk about your latest announcement? Oh, yeah,
1: so, obviously, we've been, we've taken some time off, I did some traveling, Siege did some traveling over Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I went to Spain with my girlfriend, but I came back from Spain with a fiancé. Yes, you did. Yeah, it's been a a good time.
0: Yeah, I was like, like seriously, I was like in my, I think, either on the plane or something, and I just told uh, my boyfriend, and I was like, oh my god. (laughs) I think that like literally I just responded to you,
1: oh my god. It was one of those things where I was just like, I wasn't sure if it was actually going to happen or not. So that's why okay. I was very hesitant to tell a bunch of people because yeah. I was like, so many things have to happen perfectly in order for this to go down. But exactly. ultimately it all came together pretty well. And, um, you know, uh, the best thing about this is that my now fiance understands and respects <laughs> the world. So, um, she, you know, that's really all you need for a, a perfect romance. I think.
0: Absolutely. Like, um, you know, Come in interest, as they
1: say. Well, the one thing I will say about my now-fiancé is that uh, our very first Valentine's Day t- uh, we had together, and I've mentioned this before, she quoted Topanga Lawrence in the yeah, Valentine's Day card. I think card. That, that in itself says everything you need to know. I, it's It was my go-ahead. So. panga for life. So, <laughs> okay, are
0: you ready to get into this episode? Let's
1: get balls deep into <laughs> life lessons, bro. I want to say,
0: speaking of for life, uh, this is the tell me about it.
1: Tell me about it.
0: This is season three, episode eighteen, Life Lessons.
1: I <laughs> was a little done, uh, funny. There you right. go. Yeah, no, no, I love
0: it. <laughs> Corey's classmates <laughs> are antagonized by Mr. Spinney's harsh exam schedule and decide to retaliate by vandalizing his home. In a B storyline, Eric dates an older woman who his mother was hoping to fix up with Mr. Turner.
1: Bro, I'm so excited to get (laughs) into both storylines because when storyline B came up, I was like, what the fuck is going on?
0: As always, I like to start with B (laughs) storyline, mostly because we spend less time on it. And second, because, yeah, let's just talk about this. Well, I feel like we need to jump into our roll roll call. call. In order to do this. Okay, so
1: in our roll call, we have Lisa... Aki, I want to say, as Brenda, who is the woman. Brenda Marsh? Brenda Marsh, 27-year-old Ginger, works <laughs> with Amy doing what exactly. Real Not sure. A real. Okay, fine. Hits the jacket. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, and she has no issues with age of any kind. Apparently. I mean, she immediately sees that he is Amy's child. What 27-year-old woman is actively like on a date with the high schooler, being like, So, what do you do outside of high school? <laughs>
0: yeah, That's so you're, you're acknowledging that, you're, that. And this is another thing where I was like, This is just. A Hollywood wet dream of, like, wouldn't it be fun if Eric dated this older woman who's, like, Amy's friend, so we
1: can get them all together. Next year. Next year, that's a good storyline. This year, while he's still in high school, not appropriate.
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, inappropriate is the fact that she's 27 and he's 18.
1: That's a nine-year difference. It's a nine-year difference, and it's also just creepy because the way she realizes it's it is looking at the family photo photo and thinking (laughs) i can still hit that (laughs) what are you doing i know like so that was my whole thing i was like i cannot you have to be kidding me now did you get the vibe that they casted brenda to be like the i'm in my late 20s i'm not married yet my standards are a little lower um not really but they do it does come off that way like she's like first of all she's just immediately goes
0: into flirting um, with Eric, thinking yeah. that she's he's Mr. Turner, and then when they actually ultimately do set him up or her up with Mr. Turner, immediately, same thing, just kinda of flirting. So it doesn't seem like there was anything about the connection. She just seemed down to
1: clown. She seemed down to clown from the get and again, <laughs> like openly knew that this kid was in high school. What's interesting too is She's like, I just need someone to like I can't be home alone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I mean, like that whole late twenties, I'm not married yet, like pressure that sometimes is the for, for for women. And again,
0: is. it's just like it was it was very weird. First of all, I wanna talk about the age thing because my boyfriend is older, between now. But there's that whole thing, or I live by the rule, of half your age plus seven, and that is your Half
1: your age plus seven is 100% what you got to do just to be safe, unless you're in those murky early 20 years, in which case that does not always work.
0: I know, but she is 27, meaning that her age would be 20 and a half.
1: Not Eric. And Eric is not. I'm also... felt like they got a studio note to be like hey confirm that he's 18 years old because they pointed out well i mean they did have his birthday in the previous i know but what i'm
0: saying is she doesn't know that we don't have her ask a question at all she doesn't say you're legal right
1: not at all it doesn't doesn't even enter her head (laughs) what what interests me is that the age between Corey and eric is what two three years Mm -hmm. so technically like i was thinking about it how would we feel if Topanga went on a date with Turner? Because that's essentially like just a few years I mean, difference. You're not wrong, and like that seems shocking. Yeah. But Alan was openly supporting again
0: the whole the whole oh trope my of God. my son. God my son, a, my son, got an older woman. Alan's he just gives like he him
1: car keys and money. Yeah, Go fuck this woman and come back, bro. Exactly. Tell me all about it. Because
0: Amy is literally like, hey. Um, she's more mature,
1: more experienced. Meaning, she wants to fuck. Yeah. And Alan's like, I'm cool with this.
0: Exactly. If if anything, Alan's like, yeah, get it. And it's just what's
1: like- interesting is that, and I could be wrong, but I'm gonna put the quarter in the drawer <laughs> in the drawer because I, I know we're going a little further in the future. Yeah. There is an episode where Morgan goes on a date. I believe in the last season, and the gentleman that Morgan goes on a date with is like two or three years older, and Alan is not cool with it. Oh, are you telling me that 90s dads
0: are completely okay with their sons dating women who are way beyond their age group, but when a girl dates someone who's relatively close, they're like, burn the whole place
1: down? That's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) The double standards here are so apparent, and it doesn't seem like... Like, there's no point where Alan or Eric comes around to the idea that, like, oh... The age is an issue. Because what breaks up Brenda and Eric is just that they don't have enough in common. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the fact that Eric is still in high school. Exactly. Had he gone to Europe for a summer, he could be balls <laughs> deep in Brenda. Who knows? I mean, no, that is
0: exactly how they set it up. Because even when, like, we pair him with someone his age... Um, who is Christy, played by Anastasia Holm. Who we've um, seen before, yes? I think so. that's seems like, familiar. Uh, here's the thing, at this point in time, they all look the same. Yep. Um, and you can hear it from here, all white people look the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, it was something to where they are just like, hey, have you ever been out of the country? And she's like, I've been to Pittsburgh. And it's like, oh, again, it's their common...
1: Stupidness or stupidity. It's, it's just having yeah. common interests. But yeah. the fact that, like, at no point she, like, Brenda's even like, you know what? This feels a little strange with you. Like, you mm-hmm. could, you could be my like little brother. I don't know, just something where she's like this age has nothing to do with that. In fact. She's still actively on this date. It's Eric who's the one who's like, you know what? Turner, you're here. I feel like you might be a better fit for her. Also, if you fucking her leads to me getting better grades on my finals, I'm also cool with that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Again, but then
0: also, like, there's a part of this that I really, really wanted to talk about because it was definitely my
1: bruh moment, Mm -hmm. which is that Eric goes, you never got me a pony. (laughs) <laughs> you never got me a pony, mom, so you should at least let me ride something, aka Brenda, Brenda Marsh. Your
0: co worker.
1: Your co And I was like, what
0: kind? First of all, go to work knowing that she's <laughs> been. What a- kind of logic, number one? But then also, who says you should allow me to date this older woman because you never got me a pony? And those two things are equivalent. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because women, as we know, are objects to be attained.
0: I just, I honestly, the moment he was like, you never got me a pony. I was like, and now I'm just like, this went from like uncomfortable to I have a complete issue with this
1: storyline. I just don't understand the purpose of it. Other than Jonathan was supposed to go on a date with her, didn't, and then he did and they hit it off.
0: How hard would it have been to
1: make her an intern at Amy's job? Someone who's like 23 Yeah, why don't we have any scenes between Amy and her co-worker and have two women talking about anything? Or, like, here's an idea. What if this was a whole thing where Eric
0: never told her his real age? And, you know, it's like you have that whole sitcom story of he's pretending to be Mr. Turner and, you know, like, things run amok. The and big like,
1: storyline.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, all of those things would have been fine, but instead they're like, no, we're all okay with it. How? Except, except... Amy, who's just like being all motherly. I know.
1: How uh, would you be interested in a love triangle between Eric and Turner where Eric and Turner don't know about each other and then they find out about each other? Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs>
0: always here for dating two people yes. the other person doesn't know. I've had it happen in my real life, and I have to tell you, it is still very entertaining, even
1: though. Highly stressful. (laughs) I would not have imagined that have been your review, but glowing. (laughs) It's glowing. Okay. um, I don't have anything else to say about the storyline, other than the entire storyline was my bra moment.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'll allow that. But, like, peak bra moment was you never got me a pony. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Also, I've noticed that the
1: picture that she looks at has old Morgan. This is what I'm talking about. The picture (laughs) that she looks like has what seems to be, if I'm... Doing this math correctly, 15, 14-year-old Eric? Oh, he says, I just hit puberty in that room. <laughs> yeah. And she looks at, it, looks at him and goes, sure, let's go out to dinner.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, Brenda was, like, scared to sleep alone. I don't know what's going on in her household. Maybe she had, like,
1: a burglary. Brenda is going through things in her life right now. Her <laughs> mother keeps calling her, reminding her of, like, <laughs> she's like, getting older. She's, she's getting almost older. 30, which, I mean, in the 90s, you might as well die. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> what is she going to do? Retire early, like, get a houseboat? Like, she, her options are limited. She needs Eric. She's, today. like, three years away from becoming Diane Lane. So... This- <laughs> Is the storyline we need to focus on. (laughs) What is going on with Brenda mentally that Eric is an option? Yeah, I completely agree.
0: Are you ready to move on to the A storyline? Yes, I'm very
1: interested. Can we jump back into the roll call? I want to say we have three more
0: people in order to complete this roll call, which is Aaron Michael Mechik, who plays Jake, Patrick Rena, who plays Kyle, and Ian Bowen. Uh, as Danny. Okay,
1: so which one was in The Big Green? I was going to say, so I saw You're Killing Me Smalls. Which is interesting, too, because in the later college years, we get um, Goldberg, the goalie from Mighty Ducks, making an appearance as well. So lots of <laughs> 90s kids going on.
0: Patrick Rina. Uh So okay. Kyle.
1: Kyle is um, 90s
0: movie Star. So, yeah. Like, uh, star Star. Like. Yeah, actor. Yeah, star. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, seeing... Um, Who is Jake? Jake
1: is...
0: Is he one of the other thugs? Yes. Like, okay. all, all the other boys that we see here are
1: different. But just like, oh. Denny is the worst thug. And I know this because he is wearing a leather jacket. In well, this world... Leather jackets are bad boys. Harley, leather jacket. Griff, I believe at some point, leather jacket. When Sean Shine. is not behaving... It leather comes with jacket. Black jacket.
0: Leather jackets means you're about to f shit up. Um, I love that this is just a grease mindset of what a badass. Absolutely. Is. Also, I was like, jacket. again, why would this not be a Griff storyline? Like, you know, it's just like.
1: Yeah, apparently, the show decided, hey, we don't need these characters, we're going to send them all off, and then all of a sudden, we have this new gang, just like we just had a new gang in the trailer park episode. Gangs just be, like, apparently, Philadelphia is just full of high school gangs. With white gangs everywhere. (laughs) White gangs who are so upset about a test schedule that they're willing to vandalize, meaning they're both concerned about their grades, but not concerned (laughs) about getting in trouble for vandalizing. Which? Peak whiteness. (laughs) I I I, like this storyline. I mean, like you said, it has a lot of good going on to it. But the whole mindset of like we're hardcore thugs, we're gonna write Die Feeny on spray paint on the walls, but we're not just gonna skip this test, which is what (laughs) any normal thug would do when they don't. Or as the thing is like.
0: Why don't you just study?
1: (laughs) That's the whole point. Okay, so the first half of this episode is the boys two weeks out from the exams. They're looking at They're like, we got two weeks. We got more than time to study. Flashboard of two weeks of them dicking around doing nothing but watching TV and eating french fries. Then they're like, what are we going to do? I think I want to pause there because I think it's very interesting
0: that the show chose to let us see that
1: that they had every opportunity exactly the show
0: the show very much is like
1: hey by the way
0: like they are literally being ridiculous (laughs) it's like don't get me wrong they they slapped off it's they could have very easily been like hey that scene where fiend was like it's been posted for two weeks you guys had this opportunity the story could have picked up from there but no they actively show every time they're supposed to be studying yeah. The boys being like distracted. Watching TV. Yeah. And and not even going near
1: which very realistic for high school. Uh,
0: very realistic for college. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's what I remember. It's like this paper is due tomorrow. Oh no, I have to pull it all nighter. But what I think is interesting, A, it's called life lessons, because this it's trying to really show that, you know, what Feeney, that speech Feeney gives to Turner about like, no, it's all on the same day and all this is structured. On purpose. There was a thought
1: behind this. I really, really love the way that we um, have Feeney be a voice for public educators on this show. Absolutely. And in this episode specifically, he's talking about his frustration with trying to... How do I reach these kids? Like, he can't... Um, He's losing his desire to be in the school system because he's just not seeing the effects of his work. And he even has this great garden metaphor with Turner, where he's talking about like, you know, in the garden, I can see the fruits of my labor, even during a bad season. Exactly. This is more reliable to me than being in school. In reality, I I prefer the garden. Yeah. And I think it's a very heartbreaking moment.
0: And also it shows, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but I don't care. Like, that scene with Feeney when he's talking to Turner about the garden and all this other stuff. And you can see um, with Alan and then earlier, I think it's earlier in the episode where he's talking to Corey about it. Feeney's feelings are hurt. Yeah. And they make, like, they do it in a very Feeny way, but you understand that he's legit hurt by this. And you know that is old enough to where it's like, he could get over this if he wanted to, but he's just legit
1: discouraged well he's also like i have to imagine he's feeling incredibly unappreciated because to him he has you know purposefully over years and years of being an educator decided this is how the final should be to get the greatest growth out of these students and he describes that to turner he describes that to Corey, and yet everyone is like you should reconsider you should reconsider you should reconsider as if to say hey your years of being an educator are are leading to a judgment that's misinformed. And he's like, no, I know what I'm doing is right.
0: I mean, also, I have to say that when he, like, the times that him and Turner have this dynamic, uh, this is where the Turner and Feeney uh, dynamic really do shine because it is old school kind of uh, educating new school. Yeah. Because... Feeney not only does he say hey no I thought this through and they need to get used to this kind of pressure because the world is filled with pressure and they need to understand and also they've had a heads up it's not like they came to me two weeks out like they didn't come to Feeney the two weeks ago and was like hey do you think we could have more time they came the week of and they were like we demand and first of all anyone who comes and makes a demand like that you're like no. But Feeney doesn't even dismiss them. He literally says, I will always have time for my students. Yep. And he gives them an opportunity to make their case. And they just don't make a compelling one. And then Corey tries to use like his history with Feeney.
1: He tries to use his personal relationship with his educator to manipulate the test schedule exactly. of the, the school. And Feeney's like, no. And again, as you would expect Feeney to do, and... You know what, I, I just I quickly just want to comment on this because this is one of those things I couldn't understand. I feel like, at least when I was in high school, finals were two days and they were always crammed together. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. I And personally, I think that... Feeney is not being outrageous. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. What, this seems like a reasonable thing. See, he even says, like, that's the end of the semester after he talks to them about John Brown, the abolitionist, whatever, oh, which I'm to okay. come back to. Another thing. <laughs> we will go there. <laughs> but um, the, the school semester's over, so of course you're only going to come back to take your test and go. So, like... I don't know, to me that just seemed regular, but maybe that's because I live in a post-standardized test runner education world where all everything's about testing. Well, so uh, I
0: love that you brought that up, because a little quick side note, I was talking to our friends when I went back home to visit, and I had the same conversation with Rex, where Rex and I, we had like some disagreement, and he was like, why didn't you do this thing? And I was like, well, you said it was like A or B. And he was like, well, obviously, if A or B didn't work, why didn't you just be like, hey, neither of these work. Is there a C option? And I was like, he's like, it's almost as if you felt the need to make A or B work. And I was like, it immediately clicked in me. And I was like, I did, because I was raised in an education system of multiple choice where the answer is there. Even if nothing adds up, you have to select a or b on the standardized
1: test <laughs> yeah.
0: and and therefore you know it's like make it work even if even if nothing adds up this what you need to do is pass this test sure. so just pick one of them and move forward and i was like that has been deeply ingrained yeah. in me totally. so much so that that's why plenty of times in my professional career or my personal
1: career, I'm so busy trying to make things fit in the options <laughs> I'm given. This is a very interesting insight because I think you're touching on something, and I'm sure we're speaking on America as a whole, but very specifically in the state of Florida that we grew up in, yes. standardized tests was just so jammed down our throats from third grade onward. Yes. And it's interesting that you bring up this whole concept of needing to choose one of the options available versus thinking outside of a multiple choice mindset um, is what I encounter all the time. And so this is a very interesting book. I love, and
0: I, if you, any of our listeners are from Florida, please give me your feedback because I was specifically, I was like, no, this is a direct result of the FCAT. Yeah. Like, it's it's from years of being They don't trained. have that anymore. They changed the it. I know. Yeah. But I'm just, it's from years of us being the guinea pigs and then No Child Left Behind and literally forcing us to spend most of our educational years learning how to take this test. Mm. And it's even brought up with these students where they're like, I, I, I've I already forgotten everything that I was told to learn. Mm. Why? Because I was only trying to pass the test anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and Feeney says even in this, I want you to learn the material and get past the point of just memorizing it.
1: So you can recall it. So you can potentially even use it in the future. Exactly.
0: And the fact that Feeney takes this time, again, to like not make it easy for you to just memorize, because then you're not learning, I think shows how great of a teacher Feeney is and how much work. Like when we see Feeney again, of course, he's there at the school late because he's preparing for the test. And it's just there's a lot of work and a lot of thought that goes into the educational system, and especially on a teacher level. Now, if this was, like, superintendent, I'd be all for it, because now we're talking policy. Sure. But for Feeney, he is an educator who we know puts the students first and the students' education first. And so I just thought that this was a very good platform to give him. And then also for, as I mentioned earlier, the writers to be, like, not only are they giving Feeney this soapbox? But they literally show us the students not studying, which means there's no questioning on whether or not he's right.
1: I want to go back a little bit to when we were talking about Corey asking Feeney for, uh, to change the policy. Mm-hmm. Um, Feeney was, I mean, Corey was nominated by a group of his peers to be the one that talks to Feeney. When Feeney, uh, when Corey comes out, he's telling the peers, hey, I didn't get anything out of Feeney. Mm-hmm. And that's when Denny, jacket gang member, <laughs> says, all right, we're going to settle this shit ourselves. <laughs> and that's when we start to see a slew of vandalism yeah. take place amongst the group the first being a uh phoenix home where they tp they egged it and they even broke a window yep um and the second being vandalizing the school where they even tried to break into the school to destroy the inside of it um i guess i have a few questions one what are your thoughts on um the likelihood that these kids actually give a shit about their grades (laughs) (laughs) and two Do you remember doing any kind of, like, intense vandalism as a kid? No,
0: no. All right. So two things to answer that. One is I would say that they probably do care about their grades. Because remember, we are still talking about the 90s where everyone's being told to go to college and grades are really important and the pressure to succeed is there. And so I do kind of both sympathize and understand the idea of, I honestly, it just feels like too much. I can't. And, like, there's just no give. I would understand that, but the show specifically shows us everyone. Yeah, like there is a scene at the end where everyone isn't studying. Yeah. they're all at Chubby's watching TV, and it's like, all right. So again, it's not that the pressure is too much. It's like you have terrible time management. Yeah. Um. But I do, I do believe that they care a lot. But it's more so from like not that they care, but that their parents care and they need to achieve. Um, But then also in terms of vandalism, I thought of there was only one time in our time in high school that I could think of where this happened. And it was during um, senior prank. Yeah, it was, well, I think it was senior prank, but it was, it was either senior prank or it was like a um, powder puff football prank. And some girls did it to like someone's house, and they didn't yeah. tell the. the and they got parents. super serious. And it got super serious. There super was quick.
1: interviews, and I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Shit. yeah.
0: So that was like the only time I could think of. But again, even with that, like that was like sportsmanship, and it was like a whole different world for me. This, I was like, okay. At what point in time did vandalizing Feeny's house change your schedule? Like, like, like all that time you spent, you could have been studying. <laughs> you know, or just like, or so just don't show up. Like and he's like, just he's don't like, we're show not coming,
1: up. and he's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to quickly state that I went through a phase a. over the course of like a summer or so where I did TP my friends' cars quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, me and a small group of people that will remain undisclosed. I have an idea of who are, is in that group. Uh, we were the night crawlers, I'm and done we with would you. <laughs> so dirty. We we were the night crawlers, and we dressed up, and we would go to our friends' houses at night. This was like college. Yeah, we would go to their friends' houses at night, and we would TP their car, like cover their car with toilet paper or whatever, like that. And it was all good. The post-it notes, yeah, all that stuff. Begin. Um it was all good until one morning someone was like, Hey, I have to pick up my boss and we have a really important day in my car. Like you guys have to help me out with this. <laughs> and so we actually had to go back and like clean it up for you.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing, like it is it's usually like I remembered um we used to have pranks and stuff in high school and stuff. Like there there was this thing that we did uh at the job that I had where on every, everyone's birthday you would literally pie them in the face. And so like just mm-hmm. like something did, it was very fun. And as usual, some employee took it too far with a new a new employee, new female employee, and it just was like, HR nightmare, shut it down. <laughs> it's just like, it's always fun until it goes too far. Yeah. And you're like, okay. But just in general, my whole thing is, for this particular
1: situation, how did it help at all? And no, it, it not only doesn't help, it, it felt like they were like, we're just going to annoy him because he's annoying us. Exactly. And even, like, destruction He's of made our s- lives hell. Mm. Okay. <laughs> destruction of his house is one thing because you are targeting him personally, but the school is, like, it's a building. Like, why is that something that's specific to him?
0: And I love that you pointed it out. It's just, like, they are so worried about their sc- grades but have no real... Um, concerned to be arrested. Concerned about being arrested because they're like, I'm white. What's, what's the worst that's going to happen? My, My father sp- will make
1: a go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so we I really want to talk to you about uh, Corey and Sean's reaction to yes. this vandalism. Because yes. it seems as though when, um, uh, after Feeney refused to change the dates and uh, Denny was like, I'm going to take care of this, Sean goes along with these these kids. Yeah. And when uh, the vandalism happens at Feeney's house, Corey looks out, he sees it happening, he's very upset, he confronts Sean, Sean's like, hey, I wasn't there. Yeah. Corey's like, but you knew about it, so that makes, makes you, you responsible. And Sh- Sean's like, well, this was all your idea. And Corey's like, well, you know what? Then that makes me responsible too. I fucking love that this show shows that being implicit to what's going on is knowing about something and not stopping it. Absolutely. And I, and again, I think that, oh,
0: and and not just knowing about something and not stopping it, but also like when when Sean was like, well, it's on. Kind of all started because of you. I thought that they would have like that moment where Corey thinks about it and like the dramatic music or whatever, but no, Corey just jumps into it. You know, honestly, I think that makes me responsible as well. Yeah, you know, it's like I was I was the mouthpiece of this, and even though things escalated outside of my control, I. Got the ball rolling. And And so so I have some responsibility.
1: And he's taking responsibility for, like, starting a frenzy. Like, starting a riot. Like, getting people all fired up. There's a scene... Which happens with Corey all the time. All the time. Because there's even a scene before they go to talk to Feeny where they're in the cafeteria. And it got me so many throwbacks to the protest episode. Well, we've done this now three times. And I was like, "Is it like something where once a season, Corey just gets a a mob behind him? Yeah, because either he's protesting um, another test that Jonathan gave him in like season two. <clears throat> there was also the episode where he ran for president, exactly president. So he he really is good at like getting a group of people really excited. And so I'm glad that he was able to recognize his role in it now the vandalism that happens at the school, a different story. Sean, Corey, and Topanga... Well, Sean actually goes to Corey first... Absolutely. ...when he finds out that it's going on. He go, He literally saw, says, he's like, they're at the school right now. And what do you think of Sean going to Corey with that information and not Feeney or Turner or Cox? Well, I feel
0: like it's, it's one of those things of kid rules you know like this stays between us and like i under like even though i don't agree with it i do understand that not only the tv trope of we can handle this (laughs) as students but the very real world um allegiance that people of the same age group tend to have kid code yeah kid code that you, i can think of it but like kid code of just being like hey you know what we need to stop this because this is within us and we don't, we don't want
1: them to get in trouble more than they need to. I find it incredibly problematic that this show would encourage kids to fight a group, a gang, <laughs> an armed gang. Oh, again, I don't agree with it, but I'm just saying I understood. I was like, yeah, I can see that being the
0: logical step. It, so much so that when Sean actually does have his little monologue at the end, he says, what you've done is given me the right. Like the moment you you broke that window... The moment you vandal you know, you made this violent, that was the moment you gave me the right to call the police.
1: I want to talk about what Sean says a little oh, God, bit I because what I love about this is that this is how well this episode is written. Uh, we have Feeney talk saying that like I'm wanting to retire because I'm not seeing the growth okay. that I need to feel like I'm actively contributing to the lives of these students. Exactly. To have Sean be the one specifically that says I did studying of my own based on the the assignment that Feeney gave. I learned what my First Amendment rights are and and so forth and so forth. And because of that knowledge, I'm able to tell you that you're now breaking the law and I have the right to to call the cops. Feeney sees that. Yeah, it's not
0: done to Feeney. No,
1: but he overhears it. He sees it. He, He talks to Sean about it afterwards. He's like, oh, yeah, it's hard to sleep in your class with all your yeah. teaching, something like that. But it's just it's the growth that Feeney needed to see to understand that he is still needed. Absolutely. And the fact that he later coin in the jar, later goes on to leave the high school once these kids graduate makes perfect sense now. Absolutely it does. Since he was already considering retirement, but it was his Uh, The the growth that he was seeing in these specific kids that led him to continue, it makes sense that he was sick around.
0: Honestly, now that you've said it, and I want to put a pin in this because I think it'll be very relevant. Uh, I'm adding a quarter to the jar now, but it's like, yeah, it makes sense that Feeney, from this moment on, Feeney kind of decides that his career path as an educator will mirror these students because he mentioned that the authority and the respect has fallen away the group of students who he feels like he reaches gets smaller and smaller and maybe just maybe it is literally these students that give some hope and he's like i will remain an educator as long as they are learning because that like it it seems a little weird but honestly even as an adult it's like no i understand you being like these particular students make me continue with my job every
1: day. I can tell you that there's um, teachers that I know that are like, oh, I might trade schools, but I'm going to wait till this specific group ages out because they're a favorite of mine. Exactly. Because I feel like educators need, like Feeney says, to feel as though what they're doing matters. And I think to Feeney, these three students are are like the plant that's still growing well. And he doesn't want to walk away from it while it's still growing. But I think what's really interesting about this,
0: specifically that they had Sean be the one who said this, is they don't even say, oh, wow, Sean's learned a lesson or Sean knew what the First Amendment was or anything like that. What they do is they have Sean say, what's in your hand right now? I love this. Yes. What's in my hands? Nothing. Nothing. That's how he's taught me. Yeah. That's how he's affected me. He prevented... And especially since last episode, we saw his family be a bunch of criminals per the show. And Sean is
1: saying he has given me another option. And we, what we've seen done so beautifully in the last few seasons is that the show has subtly painted this picture of Sean to where we as the audience understand that he could very well have been the one from the in his hand if it wasn't for Corey and Feeney and all of these, Turner Absolutely. and all these people in his lives. So it makes sense for him to be the one that's like, I could have gone down that path and I didn't. And so he, 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 let me help you to not make the same. That's what I'm mistakes. Saying. It's beautiful because a, as you said, it's not something that
0: Feeney says to Sean or Sean says to Feeney. It's something that Sean is saying to his peers, to someone who doesn't know his background and basically for no one,
1: but, himself and it's a it's one of those revelations that's not a single episode like transformation with sean we've seen this growth over the course of the series absolutely so that's what makes it so much more satisfying too because it's not one of those like oh in this episode he learned something it's like no this character is actually transforming into something more mature absolutely more um, mindful and understanding um Maybe he doesn't understand the way school works, but he, he's street smart. And he's street smart in the sense that he is able to make choices that benefit him in the long run. Uh, as some would say, life lessons. Oh! <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, no, honestly, like, I looked at this and I, and I thought to myself, I was like, I love this, this. That scene makes this even better than it was originally. Yeah. Because it shows that it's not just about educating these students So they can pass a test or that they can be prepared for the workplace or anything like that. It is, for some people, education is an alternative. Sure. And for someone like Sean, he understands that even though he didn't want to learn all these
1: stuff, it has its value.
0: Um,
1: Can I just ask a quick question? Yes. Um, We see Corey and Sean legit not study for two weeks. (laughs) Corey gets basically all Bs. Yes. This is something else that I've been hinting at throughout our conversations, is that Corey is secretly smart because Absolutely. he's able to get through with very little prep. Yeah. Very little studying. He was able to do a fairly good job. Even Sean, considering how bad of a student he's known to be. As usual, Sean retains information when he tries. Yeah.
0: And I think I think that even with that, that note, um, it's something to where Feeney, when he applies his pressure, it's because of something like, we don't know all the students, but we know for a fact that Feeney understands Corey and Sean are very intelligent. They just don't care. Yeah. And he has to construct pressure to make them care because when they do care, they surprise even themselves. Yeah.
1: So anything else you want to say? Um, no, I just thought this episode... Oh, I I do want to say two things. Um, One, Corey is wearing a very disgusting argyle sweater for a majority (laughs) of the show that's, like, a lime green, like, it's like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, I saw that sweater on him, and I immediately remembered Corey from season one, which is, like, this very childlike... Youthful energy, and it seems as though he's so quickly retired to being an old Jewish man. And it's like I will remind
0: you, as I said previously, Chandler Bing was wearing sweater vests in the '90s. This is what we were doing. I will not. It's just. It's a very.
1: It's just. It's. It makes him feel less childlike, and I don't know if that's intentional. But like the way they dress him sometimes is a little odd. One thing I will say is that for the first time that I can recall, maybe I'm wrong about this. Turner was not wearing blue jeans. Turner was was wearing a tan suit. I was like, I wrote in my notes,
0: Turner is suited
1: up. (laughs) And it's just one of those things where I feel like, are we supposed to see Turner growing as an educator in the sense that he's taking his job more seriously with his wardrobe because he's not wearing his typical jeans and a t-shirt? That's giving him way too much credit. (laughs) Possibly, but I think... I saw him in the suit, and I was like, oh, Turner seems weird. Why? Oh, he's in the suit. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, I I will say that,
0: again, I I mentioned the dynamic between Turner and Feeney, and for my Feeney lesson, or Feeney taught me, I thought that it actually came from, it came from uh, Jonathan. Yeah. When he's talking to Feeney, and he's like, don't let a couple of goons, like, discourage
1: you. Like, remember, it wasn't... The whole school. It was, it was just a small... F- a few students. And... In the words of Donny Osmond, one bad apple doesn't <laughs> the whole bunch. <laughs> Again, false. But still, <laughs> it's just something that, for me,
0: I was like, Feeny, who's very much in his feelings in this episode, I felt needed... You know, he did kind of need to hear that. Yeah. And then the... Seeing the fruits of his labor with Sean
1: It's almost as if to say, in the same way that, like... Yeah, a few bad students could really make me feel bad about myself. A few good students could make all the difference. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so good episode, bro. Absolutely. All right,
0: so what grade are you giving
1: in? I'm giving this episode in... A. I think it was a solid episode. I thought it all the Boy Meets World cylinders were in place. <laughs> um actually I'm sorry. I'm immediately taking it down to a B plus because uh-huh. I remembered Eric's storyline.
0: <laughs> so that's what here's the thing. I was giving it a
1: B plus and I was
0: like, okay, cool. Like I was like, you're giving it an A, that's fine. The B storyline makes this a B plus. A
1: hundred percent, it does take it down to the whole half grade because Eric is l- <laughs> like legit on a date with an actual adult, and th- again, I feel like I have to continuously talk about how inappropriate child and adult relationships are in a way that I shouldn't have to. You never got me a pony. <laughs> yeah.
0: And again, I like I agree with you. I feel like I like don't get me wrong. It's an age old TV trope again with teen shows, but I just I don't like how normalized we always make teacher dating student
1: relationships in high school. Like in college it's always seen as like iffy. You know what, <laughs> you know what actually made this even more jarring is that today I was scrolling through my news apps and there was a story about this teacher from South Africa. She's 30 years old. She just got married and yet she was having an affair with like five water polo players. Pictures and videos ended up on Pornhub, like it was this whole thing. And so, like to see, like, wait, those are accurate because you always
0: see teacher gangbang student, Mm -hmm. and you're just like, okay, I don't don't believe
1: videos and. Photos of sexual acts, but just, like, things that were sent through text messaging. So like, like nudes and things like that. Anyways. Never leave a paper trail. The reason why it struck me is because, like, okay, we have a 30-year-old, near 30-year-old woman having a super inappropriate relationship with high school kids. And then I see this Eric storyline, and then I'm just like, well, I, how is this any different? Really? I mean, well, again, we, like, I know it happened in Riverdale. It happened in Pretty Little Liars. Like, again... Dalson's creek it's a tale as old as time it is
0: but like why it, i don't understand why it is and i don't understand like again what's interest? what's very interesting when you think about it is in tv shows where the college student is dating their professor it's seen as inappropriate yeah like like it, there are way more storylines about the college professor who's sleeping with his student and everyone's just like dude what are you doing but for some reason, when you're doing it with high school students, they're like, yeah, it's part of life. Guys, if
1: you're listening to this and you know of student-teacher relationships, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I actually know a few from our high school. Don't
0: tell me anything because that makes me complicit and, <laughs> and I technically have to report
1: guys, it. Guys, email us and let us know in detail your uh, experience with uh, and teacher dates. forward it directly to the police. <laughs> <laughs> Crime line. Okay. Um, okay. Homework homework well i have a homework that i'm excited about okay so i'll throw out throw out mine real fast um i've been listening to a podcast called through line okay through line examines uh like it takes like a problematic issue that we're having today and goes back to like examine what's like the history behind this and like what makes this so i um, think i've heard culturally relevant whatever um, so I was listening to an episode they did called "Zombies," and it's very fascinating because they talk about how our whole understanding from zombies it's tied to African slaves. Yes, and the, uh, the Haiti was like this, inc- like the if you can imagine, like the worst plantation in the world. That yeah. was the country of Haiti. Yeah, and they um, would work these uh, slaves so hard that most of them would die in their early teenage years. But they basically they got up. They worked and they were almost uh, lifeless in mm-hmm. their work because it was just so ingrained in them. And that's where this whole concept of becoming a zombie came from. And hearing the history of that and just how it evolved, I just found to be Fascinating. Also, I, zombie
0: fear has almost always been linked to a slave uprising. Like, that's where it really... Like, the, the American fear of zombies is usually about a revolt of the working class. Well,
1: it actually ties that into the Haiti revolt and how they yeah. became an independent nation. So, I just would... Thoroughly recommend, uh, this podcast thorough, through line is great regardless of the episode, but this specific episode, I found it quite fascinating. And you and I spoke about this. I
0: looked into or listened to your previous homework, um, You Must Remember This. The and Song of the South series? That six-part episode was Bruh. so enlightening and so... I wanna say disheartening. <laughs>
1: like, totally, because like Disney, like I, Splash Mountain used to be my favorite ride and now I don't
0: zippity do that. I don't, I don't like, think
1: oh. I can fuck with it anymore. Oh, especially Splash Mountain. And it's just you it, I'm fine with it, honestly. Yeah. Again, it's
0: not like my, my life is missing anything, but it's I, just it's
1: and it's and it's just like the movie. I'm kinda curious to ride the ride again just to like see. See it from a different perspective and then be done forever. Yeah, if you guys have it, please check out um both
0: Through Line and the previous uh homework. Um, you must remember this. I'm interested to see their other episodes on on all of these things, um, but what you brought up brings me to my homework, which is Queen and Slim. I have not seen it. I don't want to know a lot about it, but just I'm only the only thing I'm gonna say, and by this time you all should like know about it. Is it is a very divisive movie. Like even black people are like. Cannot agree how they feel about it. Some people are very pro. Some people are very anti. Some people think that the premise is unrealistic. Other people think it's too realistic. It's
1: divisive in the in the same way that like Malcolm and Martin are divisive. I won't say anything.
0: Other than, I want you to watch it because I want to get your I'm feedback. I'm seeing it this
1: weekend, and I'm 100% going to talk to yeah, you about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Honestly, I just, I think, I want more people to see it because I want to... One of, one of the things I will say about this movie that I have not seen, but I've seen a ton of interviews for, is that um, one of the things I respect is that this is a movie that was written by a woman of color, directed mm-hmm. by a woman of color, mm-hmm. and when they were putting the movie together, they told the studio we're going to make this in one year because this is an urgent story that needs to be told. And I will not get any notes from a white person about this movie. Absolutely, And it's completely removed of the white gaze. And Absolutely. that's honestly one of the things I'm most interested in. Seeing. I will say that two things. One, a lot of the reviews,
0: like Lena Waithe, the person who wrote it, she said that she wrote like black people have a language of their own. So whenever a white person is like, there's something about this movie that I just couldn't quite understand. She's like, "Good, Good. that's yeah. great." That, like that to me, it's like it's like putting it in a foreign language where you're like, "I could not quite understand this." And she's like, "That's exactly what I wanted." Yeah, um, and I felt that there were like just moments and scenes and things where you're like, "That was peak blackness," and I cannot express to you. you yeah. need to be black. You need to, to live
1: the culture in order to understand. Exactly. Yeah. There was
0: like there was um, literally a moment where we left the theater and I talked to my boyfriend about it and i was like there was just like this scene that reminded me of this thing and he was like i know the exact thing you're you're talking about and my boyfriend of course isn't he's not black but he he knew enough about the culture and i knew enough about this particular thing that i was alluding to that he was like no i knew exactly what you were talking about and it's very he had the exact same reaction and so i was just like i love that they were able to translate that moment in a way that anyone who's aware of Black culture, especially, like, the depths of Black culture, can just be like, yes.
1: One of the things that, um, you know what? We we can wrap this up, because I want to see this movie before we keep talking about it. I'm sure we'll continue the conversation, (laughs) but I'm just very excited for what seems to be this black movie Renaissance that seems to be going yes. on recently. Waves and and yes, which I'm also very excited for. And just seeing what happens when you just leave black filmmakers alone. And Absolutely. that's that's something I'm really looking
0: for. Well, to. again, and I, I want to close on this note, but the thing about Queen and Slim is it is a it's sparking discussion. And I think that it's worth seeing for that reason alone. Yeah. You can love it, you can hate it, you can take from it whatever you want to. A lot of people like parts of it and don't like other parts but i love that it's making us all discuss and really reflect on how we feel about black cinema totally all right so anyway (laughs) thank you guys for listening to brown world remember you can find us on spotify itunes stitcher google play all the places um you can follow us on i'm sorry actually we got a question can we read it yeah hold on one second yeah you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Bra-Meets World. or email us at Bromneatsworld at gmail.com.
1: You can find me on Twitter at extra C says X C R A C E E J T C. You can find uh, me at a braver Me on Instagram at dotbraver.me. braver.me. Dot and if you guys have oh and if you guys have any um, questions or anything, please reach out to us. We actually got a question recently that I thought maybe we can answer on air. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, that would so this is what I was gonna do, and I can edit this. I was gonna like just rearrange our morning announcements because that's usually what we do. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, but um, three,
1: two. Oh, you know what? This isn't a question. Oh, yeah, I just saw that.
0: So you wanna just leave it out? Yeah, yeah, we'll just leave it out. Okay. So you said your tagline.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, the, um, find me at braverme at braver dot me, and guys. If you guys are enjoying our podcast, like Siege said, share it around. Boy Meets World is now available on Disney+, Plus, which, like, millions of people have, so there's no excuse. <laughs> if you have Disney+, and you're not re-showing this uh, series to your kids, you're a bad parent. <laughs> and I'm willing to say that and take any heat for it. Come at me, bruh. Okay. Uh,
0: guys, remember to Dream. To try and, uh, and uh, too good. Too good. <laughs> I don't know why with that particular music. Um, forever.
1: <laughs> why try to give him a quirk? He's not sticking around. I'm so done with this. All right. Later, bro. Later, bro. <laughs>